This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to episode 210 of What Most People Think. Now I am not actually in the country as this goes out. I am sunning myself, sunning myself in split in Croatia. So, but of course I never want to miss a week of this podcast, and that is mainly due to our wonderful patrons who keep it, who keep it weekly and support this podcast. So I did a little cheeky pre-record, but what that does mean is that if there's been any huge breaking news. Uh, you know, whether it's showbiz or politics, I, I, I don't know. I don't know it. So that's why I'm not talking about it. So don't go online and go, oh, I know you didn't mention the fact that that person from the one show was into bestiality. I, I just I don't know, because I am currently I'm currently getting fat, getting fatter, putting on some more timber as people keep keeping. I've definitely got the kind of weight where people say that I've put on a bit more timber. I'm not I'm not quite being called fat yet. But certainly when I'm uh, editing old stand-up clips, it's not lost on me. There's, 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 definitely, there's definitely timber. There's enough timber there to keep a family of four warm for a week, maybe. Um, so, yeah, we've got a guest this week, actually. I'm gonna have, this is, I don't know how this is going to go, to be honest. I, I got in touch with, as you know, we've spoken on the podcast quite a lot on what most people think about modern adverts, you know, and obviously there's this drive to be diverse and inclusive. And broadly speaking, I think most reasonable people support that. But there's certainly a feeling that that the numbers and the extent to which ad- advertising has gone to is, is just sort of out of step with statistical Britain. So there's a guy, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say his name, whether or not he wants to remain anonymous within the advertising industry. So let's call him, I'll find out in the interview, but for now, let's call him Mr. X, which could just mean he owns Twitter. Um, And I don't know if he'll have to have like a, well, obviously he won't need to be shaded out because it's not fucking telly, Jeff. But maybe he'll need to have like one of those things over his voice so he just speaks like that. When I first got into advertising, I thought it was all about marketing the product. But soon I realised there were sinister forces at work. Or he could just naturally speak like that. You'd never know. Um, so, yeah, that'll be coming up. And um, I just got to respond to last week's episode. So I'm actually recording this on Wednesday, the, what is it, the 20, 26th. And uh, the episode with Matt Four's just gone up, and I've already had quite a bit of heat coming back. And normally on social media, I just I don't really care. I'll just let it go by the by. But some of the people are responding, our regular podcast listeners. So some people felt that obviously Matt went on the front foot pro Starmer and against the Tories, and that people also felt that there were factual inaccuracies there, and also I didn't push back hard enough. I mean, the first thing to say is that we've had several weeks of Starmer bashing. I think you'll all agree. So I thought it'd be good at some point to allow the alternative for you to to have a bit of a run out you know it's called uh, what most people think and at the moment there are more people that think that there should be well it seems to be more people that think that there should, should be a Labour government and and Starmer is marginally uh, more popular than Sunak I mean I think you all know my views on Starmer I mean that's partly why I didn't really cut in I've said for weeks and weeks that I think he's a bit of an empty space I don't think he has principles I, I, I think that he's lying to someone but I suppose that's the problem with political views is you just have to repeatedly say the same thing. But I, I, I'm not really into repetition. 
secondly, it's never, you know, when I have a guest on, it's never for me to say you're wrong. You know, that's never, you know, whether it be Owen Jones, Matt Ford, or, you know, people from the same side of the fence as me. I've never really thought, you know, when there are people that you like and admire, you just want to hear what they think. And then when he went on one, I quite like it, even when I disagree when someone's really popping off. I'm like, fucking hell, here we go. And then thirdly, one thing I can't accept is that people said that I didn't challenge him on the points that he made about mortgages and the economy. I mean, I literally said that right now the interest rates are... Uh, nearly as high as they were under trust. I literally said that the Tories literally did not crash the economy. Um, You know, he sort of queried the effect of GDP growth. Fine, but I did do those things. But I guess if you're feeling triggered by somebody, maybe you don't hear those nuances. And, you know, I I just, I think that sometimes, like all people, I'm in a different mood. And I, 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 my appetite to defend the Tories at, at the moment is as low as it's ever been and regular long-term listeners will know, you know, during COVID, when I felt, felt people were going for the government prematurely and unnecessarily, I defended all through that, you know, a lot through Brexit. But right now, the kind of talent that is in the Tory party, the direction that it's in, uh, you know, the the way that Boris Johnson handled Partygate, yeah, I've got to be honest, my my appetite to um, to sort of kick back on stuff isn't isn't as high as it was. But things change, and that doesn't mean for one second that I've suddenly gone like pro-Labour. I can't believe that you'd have listened to any of the last three weeks and thought that I'm suddenly on the verge of voting for Labour. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think normally I wouldn't respond to things, but if you're a regular listener, and also I would say to a couple of lads on Twitter, just fucking chill out, really. It is just a podcast. It is just people chatting. There was one... There was one person said, I was just plain embarrassing. I always find it weird that when people listen to something, they say it was embarrassing. They go, well, embarrassing for who? I don't feel embarrassed. I don't feel embarrassed now. I could have a hundred people criticise me. I don't feel embarrassed. So I wonder if they just use that word because they're annoyed at what you've said and they think, well, what's the worst thing to feel is that you've embarrassed yourself or it was cringeworthy. People often say that about stand-up. Oh, I was cringing so hard for them. And you go, well, hang on, you'd only cringe if you were like sad for them that it was going badly, right? So so I, I don't accept some of the words that we use, but um, I do value anybody that listens to the podcast. So I thought that uh, it was worth a right of reply. All right, let's do a shout-out to some board members. So this show is uh, is funded by Patreon. Um, so we have... And as it's uh, as I'm doing this a week out, I thought, why not just shout out some of our esteemed board members? So if you go on Patreon, if you want to sign up, you can sign up at three, five, or ten pounds a month, and there are various uh, benefits at all those levels. Um, but you can upgrade to twenty pounds a month, and for that, you become a board member. That means you get uh, an imaginary croissant, an imaginary glass of orange juice, an imaginary filter coffee, not an americano. All right, not fucking. I, I really hate saying americano. How can you say Americano without sounding like a twat? And and a pan of, can I have an Americano and a pan of chocolate? I mean, just can I have a filter coffee and some chocolate bread? Um, but there are real benefits is that you immediately get a signed copy once you send me your details, just message. By the way, if anyone has upgraded to board member recently and you haven't got a signed copy of Where Did I Go Right, just message me through the Patreon site. I will always see it eventually. Send me your address and the inscription that you want and I'll get it in the post. And also, a new benefit is that for uh, the next tour, you if you go up and introduce yourself at the venue to somebody and explain that you are a board member, then you can come backstage, say a little hello, do a photo, meet a greet, do a meet and greet and beat the queues. Beat the queues. Who am I fucking kidding? 
beat the queues, beat the two other people who might hang around after. So let's just say hello to a couple of board members. David Kane, David Kane, David Kane, running down a wing. David Kane, David Wayne, crosses is like a king. Does he retreat back to Sherwood? I don't even know what I'm singing there. But anyway, David Kane, David Kane, David Kane. Adam Lewis as well. Adam, I think he's from Denmark. He's in Denmark over there. Still want an apology from the Vikings. You know, I've said this uh, a couple of times on stage recently. I think we deserve reparations now. People always talk about bad stuff Britain did. All right, let's wind the clock back even further. I want reparations from the fucking Danes. Okay, even if you did make parts of Britain probably better looking by being here. Uh, the Danes, the Normans. Okay, you took the piss. We still call it a veranda. Is that? I don't even know if that's French. Uh, and then going further back, the Italians. You know, they were here a while back, weren't they? Yes, the A1 is a good road, but you know, they still did bad stuff. Uh, we've got a new VIP member. So if you become a, a board member and a VIP member in particular, you'll get a shout out, get shout out guaranteed at the top of the show. And this shout out is going out to Ian Spam. It just cannot be your name, Ian Spam. If it, if it is. I mean, I spam. Is this one of those jokes like on The Simpsons where Bart used to bring Moe's Tavern and he would go, I spam. Is there a little I spam in here? Can I get I spam? Um, Ian spam. It just reminds me of one of the best words that I've heard for um, the male member, which is spam javelin. Spam javelin. That's good, isn't it? I mean, it's rank. It's fucking rank, but it's good. Uh, if you... <laughs> Oh, this is me going like the most wrong FM radio DJ of all time. But if you've got any uh, euphemisms, creative ones for the male member, do email in what most people think UK at gmail.com. And obviously, patrons, if you message me, I will see those first and foremost. Okay, it's time for a thank you and a fuck you. The thank you. <laughs> this is a class thing, maybe. It goes to vinegar. I think it's a working class thing to just put loads of vinegar on stuff. You know, just just vinegar, not like not balsamic. I'm talking sarsens. I can't even say sarsens without my mouth watering for the vinegar. I had I had chips on the Isle of Wight right when I was there a couple of weeks ago um, for a festival show, and it was uh, it was a place where the people serving me just didn't speak that good English, or I just think I just freaked them out or something. But you know, when you're in England and you're speaking English in a way that you think is just so abundantly clear. So the first misunderstanding was when I said, uh, can I have these sh- chips open, please? You know, open. They were like, uh, what? What do you mean open? I went, no, when you bring out the chips, can they be open, ready to eat, ready to eat? And then they were like, what? And they were all looking around like I was a fucking nut. And I was like, I was like, oh, open, open. And I was showing the sign of thing being open. Then I was actually miming, walking up and down. I said, I want to eat the chips on the street. And I, and I don't know why I was putting them in imaginary chips into my mouth. Um, and they were like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And in the end, they they, came, they brought them out wrapped. I thought, is it the London accent? Or is, it, is this bit of the Isle of Wight actually that fucking remote? And just another point on class as well. I had, I had, a, I had a roast dinner the, out the other day. And um, you know when you order a beef roast, right? The, the moment, from the moment of ordering the beef roast, you're just thinking they better fucking have horseradish. They better have horseradish. And it must bug the waiting staff to death because... Everyone's a horseradish. Horse. <laughs> you got the got the horseradish. Could you bring the horse? Because if if if, I'd, if you haven't got it, I would have had the chicken. I would have had the chicken. I'm fucking obsessed with vinegar and horseradish in this country. Um, 
the fuck you, and this is just a bit of a nostalgia one, is your parents' aspirational friends. Now, do you remember back in the day when your mum and dad, they would have had, you know, you see them act normal most of the time, but they would have had one friendship group, a couple of friends that they just maybe felt were a cut above. You know, maybe they were called the... Um, the the uh, the Marriotts, Dave Dave and Sylvie Marriott or something. I mean, it's down in the hotel chain. Maybe maybe they were a cut above. But for the first time in your life, you would see your parents be weird around them. Oh, Dave and Sylvie, Dave. Oh, you, we went to their house. Let me tell you, their house, Dave and Sylvie. I mean, just they, and you're like, why why are you so fucking? Why don't you just go and marry the Marriotts? And then when they've got the um, the Marriotts coming round, they'll be like. Um, you know, right, this place, this place has to be spotless. You see your mum freaking out. She's triple hoovered the lounge. <laughs> Even your dad is clearing his shit away. You know his old golden Virginia tin that's got like loads of fucking uh, like like tax and Allen keys in it. They and then you're just banished. They bring you out. They brush a brutal side parting into your hair for the arrival of these godly figures. And they're talking in a way that you don't even recognise. They're like, hello, Dave. And so, oh, it's so nice to see you. And your dad is doing his politest kiss on the cheeks that you've ever seen him do. Your mum's got a, a, a fucking expensive eyeshadow on that you've never seen. And you're like, go to your bed. Go to your bed. It's Dave and Sylvie. It's fucking Dave and Sylvie. And then you get kicked out of your room sometimes for the Marriott's, don't you? Like, so Dave and Sylvie will be sleeping there. You're going to be sleeping in the fucking shed. So that's another one, maybe, to email in on. What most people think, uk at gmail.com. Did, you, did your... Did your mum and dad have a Marriott's and what was the name? I bet the names were just like really chintzy and 70s. Like, like one of the upmarket couples that would stay at 40 Towers. Okay, let's get into the chat uh, about advertising now with Mr X. Okay, so you know what most people think special here, we have... Uh, an advertising specialist here. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to call you by your name. I said your name might be Mr. X, but are you willing to identify yourself given the advertising secrets you're about to reveal? Yes, I am. I'm not the secret... You know the secret barrister? I'm not him. You're not no. the secret barrister? You can name me as long as you say the word legend. <laughs> legend. So your name is Paul Paul Burke... Uh, and you've been working advertising for, for or you've worked advertising for a long time. I saw your list of credits and stuff. I mean, these are things that people will, will absolutely remember, like the Barclay card adverts of Rowan Atkinson. And what, what were the ones that you did with Jack D? Uh, Jack D with his widget that became part of the national parlance for John Smith's beer. It was He's a got a widget, a widget he has got. All that, yeah, it was all that. Um, and it sort of made Jack D, though his late manager, Addison, I remember saying to him, I made Jack D. No, you didn't. He was a star before that. No, but he wasn't. But he was brilliant. He was great. That sort of launched him. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I suppose it's an interesting place to start that because what advertising did have once upon a time was the ability, like sitcoms like Fools and Horses, was to create those kind of sort of unifying moments in the same way like the John Smith adverts, you know, or, or, or Lorraine Chase on the, the was it Mar Martini? I mean, it can't be that good advert. Campari, Campari, isn't it? It's Campari. It's so, but you said to me, so we've had a bit of contact and we've been trying to set this up for um, a while. And one of the things that you said, which really got me interested, is, uh, is that it was once the very epitome of what most people think, but not anymore. Explain what you mean by that. I mean, it really spoke to people in a language and in situations they understood. Uh, and it made them laugh. And it featured people, you know, you could have a lovely thing for, for what I've done. is can you imagine this? You're a big fan of Blackadder. And 
you write some commercials and Rowan Atkinson appears in them. So it really was um, sort of written by the people for the people. Uh, and it's not really like that anymore. Um, there are a number of reasons for this. Some of it's not all, um, <laughs> all woke stuff. A lot of the stuff, like you used to go to the cinema, especially those of us who wrote ads that appeared in the cinema, and we couldn't wait. A, because mm. our ad would appear. And when Rowan Atkinson, this is so self-regarding, shot himself in the leg with a pen, it would get a massive laugh from the news. Well, you of all people understand how, how nice it feels to get a laugh. That's the nearest I ever got to it. And it's a lovely feeling. So we'd go to the cinema to see all the latest ads and, how, oh, God, I wish I'd done that. Well, that's rubbish. And now you, you've got a left-hand drive Peugeot with these sort of smiling morons in it, uh, in candy colour structure, young people all smile. And what that is, is what they call a pan-European ad. They'll put it out all over the continent because it's cheap uh, to do that. Lowest common de denominator and uh, just put a voiceover for each country. So there's nothing specific to France or to Germany or to England. And yet the the markets and the sales and the people and the and the humour... I mean, British British people... I don't know, we'll, we'll sort of find humour where other cultures fail to find sense, you know, so we, we like all that. Mm. And you don't really see any funny ads anymore. And yet they yeah, I'm... Well, I mean, like, if you think about, like, like, um, like the widget thing, I, like an advert that you could could quote I, I can't remember anything like that from the last few years i suppose the adverts that you might remember even i mean even like the crazy frog advert but it's more just because it's fucking annoying really mm. and 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 it's almost like it's almost like the equivalent of clickbait now adverts it's almost like yeah. get you to feel something on a surface level whereas some of the adverts from not so long ago well i mean like the the the, the stellar adverts i mean i always thought those stellar adverts were almost cinematic but mm -hmm. i mean what connection did they have with the with the product? I mean, basically, it was to, people used to get fucking smashed on Stella, but there was this guy on his little bike driving to get some artisan bread. Well, the, the whole irony with Stella is their line was reassuringly expensive. And if you didn't mm. know, you didn't drink, you would think this was the finest, most expensive <laughs> beer uh, in the world. And the, the irony was it was cheap as shit, you know, because I, I remember, I mean, I've done a load of radio commercials over the years for Sainsbury's and it was yeah. like uh, you know, 12 cans for a fiver. Please drink responsibly. Tell you what, don't sell us 12 cans for a fiver. Then. No, it was really cheap, but beautifully done, beautifully done. Um, I suppose that, God, this sounds so self-regarding. I hope it doesn't upset anyone. But say, well, you've always said that you made Jack D's career, so I'd go all I'm in. A, yeah, I'm, I made Jack D. <laughs> Ask Jack D who made his career. Ask Stephen Fry who gave me his first voiceover. Uh, I, no, I really I really did. Long, I, I'd gone to see The Secret Policeman's Ball years ago, and there was this guy who I just thought, God, he's fantastic. He's clearly very young, but he has the bearing and, 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 the, and the sort of... It's Stephen Fry. Person. It was Stephen Fry. Yeah. Just, just fabulous. Only person I've ever known who... Um, who knew what an aglet was. Yeah, I mean the QI gig really was built around him. I know he doesn't I know he doesn't do it anymore, but um a, ve a very funny man. And you did get that, you know, back back in the day where these big figures yeah. like, you know, for example, Peter Kay and uh Stephen Fry and stuff. You don't feel like now what you get is just somebody who is famous wears a thing. But it used it used to feel like Here's somebody that's really famous. We're going to get them to do that thing as well as they do it on telly, but in the context of an advert. You're so right, because with, um, if anyone remembers the Rowan Atkinson ads when he was the spy, um, it, I mean, they made Johnny English out of that, and they had me on Radio 4 saying, what do you think of that? And I said, well, I've got to be honest, it was really only black out of five. You know, but we, mm. we were so careful to make it um, 
true to the character. I worked a lot with John Lloyd uh, and again with Carolina Hearn doing Mrs. Merton. And we'd make sure that they were involved in the script writing and they wouldn't say anything that they wouldn't say and didn't make them look stupid. And, and that's, what, that's why they worked. Uh, but people don't do that anymore. I mean, for want of a better... What happened was, <laughs> you remember this, it's not even that long ago, there was them and there was us. And we were, you might be comics, you might be writers, artists, photographers, actors, that sort of thing. And they they would call us the creative Johnnies. And we liked them and we, you know, we got on very well. We lived in our own separate worlds. Then one day, probably in the 90s, they decided they wanted to be the cool kids. And they wanted to work in advertising and they wanted to get into comedy uh, and they'd be in the BBC. And they just, it's so generalising, so self-regarding, so easy to disprove, but I know what I mean. They, they just don't have that, that way with them and and and, and they're do you, do you mean like kind of middle class metropolitan types yes i yes. do and, and you go to places in london you know like hackney and i'm not saying you know i think if you whiz me back to where i used to live um you know kilburn queen's park and if you whiz me back to 1975 and all those ira pubs take me back to the 21st century but on the other mm. hand you go there and they turn what what's were once walthamstow where you were the other night Prime example, take what was once a, a, a vibrant part of London and turn it into a fucking sleepy village with sort of craft fairs and things and bicycles and I don't know. And, and, and they, they've sort of spoiled things, you know. Uh, they brought their prim sort of censorious attitudes. And I, I actually think that's all woke is. I just think it's um, the old fashioned people like when I grew up, you know, the, the middle classes, if you like, who ran the BBC were very stuffy. Oh, we can't have Frankie goes to Hollywood on, yeah, relax, that's terrible, can't that? It's the same sort of thing. They're just just, just banning things for different reasons. Sorry to interrupt you, but you, you say that the, 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 you know, for you, that advertising moved from entertaining funny ways of, of, of selling things, I mean, because ultimately that is the that's fucking point, yeah. um, to a sense of, of, of purpose. And one of the examples you said in your email <laughs> that really made me laugh when I read it. You said that I know that postnatal depression is a real issue, but what the fuck has it got to do with Maltesers? <laughs> <laughs> Maltesers are raising awareness of um of postnatal depression. Now, the way advertising used to work is it was cheerfully and transparently right wing, not in a nasty way. Just it made lots of money. It literally capitalised on capitalism, made a ton of money for the agencies and for their clients. And with that money, they used to do, because I, I remember um, going banger racing at Wimbledon Stadium, uh, you know, something called NABS, the National Advertising Benevolent Society. And they used to do a hell of a lot for charity. They would always have a, a charity account. I mean, I've worked on cancer research, on multiple sclerosis, and they would do all that work uh, for nothing. And, and the deal was, because they were quite harrowing subjects, that gave the agency's chance to do sort of really powerful work with which they, they'd win awards. But then the brands like Maltesers, like Cadbury's, hey, they want to be the charities themselves. Uh, and Cadbury's were doing all this stuff to help the aged at the same time as they were being um, hauled over for epic tax evasion. No, not evasion, you can't say that, tax avoidance. Hmm. You know, they, they didn't break any laws. But, you know, um, just the hypocrisy. I mean, I had a thing with uh, with um, <laughs> with Sainsbury's. I was in my local Sainsbury's and it had a sign up saying proud to support the LGBT community for pride. 
do you ever get the mischief in you when you go hello that that looks nice um what are you doing then anywhere i can donate because if they seriously had something i would have done uh well we are educating people yeah educate me what what is it you're doing well it's an awareness pool yeah they, they, they face a lot of discrepancy yeah i know that what it turned out literally nothing well, there was um sort of just you may have reminded me there of you saying about LGBT. I, I used to have a routine back in 2017 where I made a joke about them changing the components of a, of a BLT sandwich um, just to have like a LGBT in it, so you could have <laughs> so. And then I said, but no one wants guacamole in a bacon sandwich. Fast forward like four years, Sainsbury's have literally got an LGBT sandwich just just so they can put guacamole in it, just so it can align with Pride Month. And I suppose at a time when we're talking about Nigel Farage getting debanked and stuff like that, mm. this whole align with their values thing, I just don't know. If you talk about what most people think, I don't know if most people need the the lawnmower they buy, you know, to align with their, their, their values. It, it's product first functionality first and then yeah look if they're doing good things other than that i mean if you look at a big company like the whitbread estate in the uk who pay a lot of tax here you know and, and are, are not involved in aggressive tax avoidance you don't hear much from them because they're just quietly getting on with, with with paying the right amount of tax whereas it's almost like you say like cadbury's kind of know maybe they're into some shady stuff so they've got a signal to the contrary I mean, it's exactly what they do. I mean, you just do it quietly. Just sponsor your own charity. We, we, there was an ad I saw quite recently with a co-op, and it said, injustice will never stop. Something but the co-op. You think, oh, the co-op, never mind. The co-op are here to save the world. It, it, it's just absurd. But I think it's... I was brought up a Catholic, very strict sort of Catholic school, Irish. And, you know, I know a faith substitute when I see one. And it's people telling you what you ought to believe. I don't think they believe it. It's like if you'd got hold of um, a priest uh, and said, look, do you honestly believe that when um, the priest, when you run your hand over the wine, it turns into the blood of a man who died 2,000 years ago? We've taken it down the lab. They've gone, yeah, that's sherry. And it's the same with all these. They say these things. I think I've heard you say this before. It's the middle-aged older men white men going hey we better get into it they don't even mean it and and what you come across a lot in life anyways or we can't say that because we might um don't want to offend and you go offend who they sort of they're frightened of offending people who don't exist well we don't want to look like this and it, it was the same with god or better not do that in case god's cross with you so i think it's sort of based on nothing i mean you don't have to sort of ramp it down to people's throats. Just to, we all had our beliefs and our our kindnesses anyway. We 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 didn't really want it coming from commercial organisations. Um, I I mean, our ads, you know, one of the things that happened, you know, there was already a drive towards more diversity and inclusion in adverts. Mm. I certainly remember being a kid. I mean, I've, I've made this point before, but when I was young, the first time I saw a black person in an advert was in 1993. Uh, and it was an advert in Croydon, and that was obviously there was nowhere near enough diversity and inclusion, oh. but back then, and 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 but what it felt like there was throughout the twenty tens, it was ramping up a bit, and then obviously, um, Black Lives Matter happened, and 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 it's got like the ratios, you know, if the idea is to represent Britain as it is, there, the Asian community who represent twelve to fifteen percent of British society are routinely underrepresented. So what's going on here? Do advertisers just think you know black is cool and that's going to help sell their product, or is it a sense of guilt? from the past what what's happening it's um that it's again without being so 
they're the uncool people. They've never lived around black people. They've never lived around multicultural societies. But, I mean, I can give you examples. There was this um, very posh estate agent, I'll bet I'll name it, that were, uh, were doing a radio commercial. And they'd done it very nicely. It was all very nice with lovely um, classical music. And they, they wanted a female voice. Uh, and I sent them a load of lovely female, you know, rich, lovely voices. And they picked one. And I said, so you ready to confirm for the um, session on Thursday? Ah, uh, now, um, and this this woman didn't realise that she's a fucking racist. <laughs> she goes, um, oh, um, could we get um, could we get a woman of colour? Now, what I could have said is I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Ask me to do that again and I'll call the old bill if it should break in the law. But I said, oh, right, OK, a woman of colour. Um, what would you like? What accent do you want? Indian, Pakistani, West Indian, African? What do you like? Get, get you anything. And I knew what was coming. Oh, we don't want the accent. I said, what do you mean you don't want the accent? It's radio. Unless she comes and goes, I'm not white. How are they going to know? Oh, my God. Yes, you're quite right. Next day, she phones up, could we get someone LGBT? I said, look, it's radio. Unless the, the actors, anyone's sexuality is their own business. If she, <laughs> she comes with, hello, I'm a lesbian. Of course, she's, oh, yes, you're quite right. And so we went back to the um, the original person she chose. But what I did afterwards, I said, you know, can I, have a, can I have a quick word with you? And I said, you can't do this. I mean, turn it on its head. I said, this is not 1960s South Africa. It is not okay to discriminate against people and deny them work because of the colour of their skin. She was mortified because she hadn't looked mm. at friend. And I just said, how would you feel? You're doing your job perfectly well. And somebody says, here's somebody um, who's not better at your job than you, uh, but we're getting rid of you and hiring somebody in your place, giving you her, giving you her job, giving her your job, uh, simply because of the colour of her skin or her sexuality. Because that's what you asked me to do. You asked me to break the law. The law's here to protect everyone. You can't do that anymore. And um, she was mortified. I don't think because this, because this, sort of, for want of a better word, uncool, they don't realise that. Or don't, they don't think that what they're doing is racist and illegal. If you say, no, um, I don't want a posh person. I want a, I want a West Indian accent. I want a, absolutely fine. You can have whatever you want. But it was radio. The actor couldn't be seen. And yet she still wanted someone for the colour of her skin. And, and, you know, I think the pendulum is finally swinging. People, people don't like racism either way. Nobody does, really. But they, they don't think they're being racist. They think they're... I mean, well, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose that literally is an example of, of box ticking because in the worst sense of the word is because what she wanted was on their company ESG type yeah. forms, like how many people do you hire? We want to be able to say that we hired a black person, but we still want a certain kind of, of, of voice. And, you know, she's also presumed, therefore, that, that, you know, a black woman couldn't have that kind of voice. So there's lots of layers to this kind of like th that accidental prejudice that I do think... I do think sort of people, middle class types are prey to where they sort of in trying to do the best thing, it just doesn't occur to them no, it didn't how, it, how it could it be perceived at all. She wasn't horrible. And she was mortified when she suddenly realised that she was breaking the law or attempting to break the law and, and denying somebody work because of the colour of her skin. You know, it, it's yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, had, I've had this thing a couple of times. It's absolutely fine. If you want a black person in your ad visually no problem but to do what she was doing wasn't strictly lawful uh no it, it it is a bit of a problem
Okay, so just cutting in on the chat there. I hope you're enjoying it with our mystery informant. And just to hype some of the tour dates, I know I've been going on about the book recently, but um, most of the old ones are either sold out or close. Uh, there's a few like Wickham Town Hall, Thursday the 14th of September. That's like 70% full, if you fancy that. Uh, Lincoln, uh, again, 75%. That's what the... Uh, the 16th of September, Halifax on the 21st of September, Peterborough, Thursday the 28th of September, the Glee Club Cardiff, that is getting quite full now, 400 capacity and we're up to 280. Uh, Exeter Northcott Theatre, that is also nearly 80% full, that's on Saturday the 7th of October. Uh, Spalding, South Holland Arts Centre, whereas, whereas last time I went there, Pretty much the whole of the balcony was full and downstairs was empty, which is just fucking weird. Um, it's a weird place. You live in Spalding, you must know it's weird. You must. Uh, Thursday, the 12th of October. The old fire station in Carlisle, because, you know, Tory cuts, they've had to turn, shut it down, turn it into a, into a, into a comedy club. Um, this is why I don't do left-wing comedy. If I'm heading up that far, we better sell some more tickets than I have now. I mean, don't worry, there's decent numbers in the room, but we need to kick it on. Uh, Stockton, first ever tour show in Stockton on Thursday the 19th. That's a big venue and it's selling well, but there's still room there. Aberdeen, the Thursday, the 16th of November. Um, it could be good to have a few more there. I'm in Manchester on Saturday the 2nd of December at the New Century Hall. And then next year, we've got dates in. So just go on Live Nation and have a look at Mansfield Palace Theatre. Mansfield. Is anything a palace in Mansfield? <laughs> Remain. Oh, yeah, shit on the area, Jeff. Uh, Loughborough Town Hall. Uh, I'm in Newport. Uh, first show ever in Newport. Tewkesbury at the Roses Theatre next year. Uh, we've got another day uh, in Bristol. Uh, we already sold out the first one, so do get on the one for Sunday, the 17th of March next year. Uh, we're at just, uh, we're at, so the, oh, an announcement. The show at the Glee Club in Nottingham on Wednesday, the 20th of March has been moved to a different venue, but it's the same date, same time. So go on Live Nation, get your tickets, and somebody will be in touch from Ticketmaster. Uh, that is all going ahead as planned, just in a different venue. Uh, the Lyceum Theatre in Crewe, my first ever tour show in Crewe. It'll be good to see people there on Friday, the 22nd of March. Also, we have a big room there we're doing at the Hawth. We're doing the main room at the Hawth on Friday, the 5th of April. So that's a 900 capacity there, but we're doing, we're doing pretty well, actually. Uh, and also... Uh, we've got Bournemouth, we've got Wellingborough, we've got Ilkley, we've got Southport. So uh, it would be great to see as many of you as possible at those dates. All right, let's get back to chatting advertising. I mean, it is, it is we have reached a point whereby the advertisers seem to be wanting to sell us products by telling us that they're good people one way or the other either they're, they're supporting a cause or they're having like you know sort of like a, lo a load of diversity and inclusion i guess the acid test here is is are there any metrics around that show whether or not this, this works i mean is somebody looking at the numbers uh well apparently it doesn't advertising was very i would say this wouldn't i um sort of culturally important and i think because it's I mean, quite simply, and again, it's purely subjective, uh, what you were mentioning, the standards of, of creativity um, aren't great uh, because advertising has become a bit bland because those people are in. So whereas, and again, I would say this, in the 80s and 90s, um, if you were a creative person, advertising, again, for want of a better word, was a really cool thing to do. So they, they attracted the most creative people. They don't anymore. You know, I, I mental some of these kids, and Jesus Christ... Uh, if I saw one more ad with Trump or with 
Boris or something or, or, or climate change. And I said, please, just something personal, Heinz beans, just <laughs> give me a clever idea that um, that sells something. But, I mean, you've got it all, all, all around. Like, uh, every year, the uh, industry trade magazine, which is called Campaign, I've written loads of stuff for Campaign, that, you know, it's good, but they'd have what they call the school report at the end of the year. And each agency, Saatchi and Saatchi, you know, Adam and Eve, all the big agencies, you know, they'd get a mark out of 10, you know, and you'd go through the ads they'd done and the accounts they'd won or lost and this and that. Uh, and that's how they were judged. Now, uh, they have to state how many people uh, from diverse backgrounds they've hired. So what they tend to do is hire them to keep those numbers up, but they hire them in quite junior positions. And the same with women. So they'll hire women in lowlier positions so that they can say, yeah, we've got you know, 51% women or whatever it is. But then when it mm. comes to the gender pay gap, well, you've, you've stuffed all the lower ones with women. And, and the tragedy is, when I first went into advertising, and right up till recently, it was genuinely diverse. I had no qualifications when I left school, like totally useless human being. You'll like this. My wife said, I don't know if your wife's ever said this to you. She said, you're mm. common in all the wrong ways. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and she goes... Um, I knew what she meant. Uh, you know, fucking this, fucking that. You know, brought up yeah. on a rough estate, come up the road, and reggae comes up about an hour before I do. Uh, when it comes to something a common person might be good at, like a bit de decorating or put a shelf up. Oh no, darling, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a writer. But it, it was also <laughs> an ideas man. Yeah, it used to attract those sorts of people, sort of flotsam and jetsam, who who could barely function anywhere else, and and. I was very, very fortunate to go to go into it. And when I got my first job as a writer in an agency, like in the 80s, it was a couple of black guys, a couple of, you know, male, female teams, female, you know. I only noticed it about 30 years later because it wasn't regarded, we didn't call it diverse, we didn't call it anything. They were just people who happened to be good at writing and drawing and, and had, had made up the creative department. And weirdly by sort of imposing diversity from the top rather than having this very sort of random selection process that could bring in anyone. It, it, advertising would always give you a chance. Sometimes it didn't work out, sometimes it did. Uh, it's become less diverse. And 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 what it does is, yeah, you... I, I Again, I, I don't have examples of this, but if you have um, more people from ethnic minorities, they can... The ones who gain are the ones who are middle class anyway, <laughs> you know, who didn't yeah, do yeah, yeah. any of that. And the ones who depend on it, um, I mean, again, women, uh, just really talented, in great positions. Um, I didn't, I'm not saying there wasn't sexism, of course there probably was, but there were, there were lots of women from day one, going back 30, 40 years, in, in good positions in advertising agencies, doing extremely well, nobody cared if they were women. And now a lot of women are looking for not equality. It's never equality. It's favoritism. It's about who's winning at the moment. And there are so many women who, who don't want... They made it completely on their own, on their talent, as they should. And the trouble is now you can get very, very talented women uh, who, who go into a place and, and do brilliantly. And people will say wrongly, oh, she only got that job because she's a woman, because that's the because that has happened. And it's not fair to it's, it's just, 
I mean, you, yeah. you're talking, you know, candidly and stuff. And I'm aware that of all industries, that advertising is probably, you know, particularly progressive at the moment. Are there any risks to you talking like this? Are there, are there, are there comebacks? You say that you're writing campaign. I mean, is these similar? No, this sort of thing before. No, because what I'm saying, um, no, to be fair, there isn't. You're not going to get cancelled because I haven't said anything that's untrue. Hmm. is sexist or wrong you know uh I don't but that doesn't stop them though paul sometimes i mean jesus <laughs> if they think that you're saying the wrong thing i mean that's what i, I wonder is that you're being quite frank right mm. now and then people can easily pull something out i mean it, it, it is is that is that a risk you know you spoke about like the white guys at the boardroom basically the dinosaurs that just want to make yeah. sure all the other dinosaurs become extinct and yeah. not them yeah. so they often go along with things because they think i just want to hang on here till my pension right so so you but you're being quite forthright yeah. are, are, are you are you quite unique in that or are there others that just yeah, other, want a quiet other. life there's a great book uh written by a bloke called steve harrison called can't sell won't sell and it goes into this in some detail no um and the other thing is is some of them I, I, I cannot name them, and it wouldn't mean anything to them anyway, anyway who are sort of uh, overcompensators, shall we say, who are all terribly woke now. Think, yeah, mm. some of us have got pretty good memories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, and I always remember a woman saying to me, uh, don't worry about that, don't worry about that. She said, um, doesn't matter what a bloke says with his mouth, you can always see it in his eyes. Yeah, a few of them, a bit, bit, bit of Don Draper backstory going on. Yeah, exactly. What most people think. Just one last thing here that I was interested to speak to you about is, is that you've worked in uh, political advertising. You know, mm. you helped... You helped Blair get into number 10 in 97, which I won't hold against you. But no. Um, the, no, I mean, I voted for him there. I mean, what was, you know, a, a lot of people look back on that and just think, well, that was a layup. You know, people were fed up with the toys. Was it, was the, the strategy there to not scare the horses a bit like Starmer or, or were you quite aggressive in, in pitching Blair? What happened was um, in 92, um, we had the Labour Party account and everyone was going to say, you know, when you say something, you don't really mean it. But you just say it anyway, and it comes true. <laughs> I'm going, mm. Kinnick's never going to win. He's, he's a twat. You know, it, you know. He, we just don't fancy him, that man, as the prime minister. Uh, Major seems quite a decent bloke. Yeah, he's a bit dull, but he's going to win. But they were, mm. they were convinced that Kinnock just had to turn up. A bit like they are with Starmer now. And I said, nah. he's going. And when Major won, I was hauled up. So why did you say that? And I... I just said, I just didn't think he was the right person, which was true. And they got me working on, not just me. Um, I, I, I was doing a lot of Labour stuff. All they did was um, they the, talk, the economy was in very, very good shape in 97. And mm. what they did was not scare the horses. They took all these blue policies, wrapped them in red, Changed the word R in Tory to N for Tony, and and Blair, <laughs> and Blair was very very um very very credible. I mean, when we met him, um, he was probably pretending, but at least he took the trouble to pretend. He, he was really, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was I know what you really mean. Nice, um, yeah. Uh, it's like they always say with Tom Cruise. Like the thing about Tom Cruise is he'll always get his aides to tell him who everybody's name is. So when he goes off and yeah. meets him, he's like, "Hey, Bob. Hey, Steve." You go. Well, the point is that he he could be asked to do that. That's, that doesn't make it irrelevant. Actually, that almost sort no. of solidifies that he's a pro. No, he's he he still did that, and he uh, they didn't really change. They they, they just thought um, you know they said things like more justice, more equality. 
think, you know, they, they didn't really slag the Tories off, which is why I'm still not convinced Dharma's going to win. Oh, really? No, Interesting. Not, well, Rishi's going to try a bit harder because because I think uh, I think it's his to lose. I, I think if he lays if he exposes, um, I don't think Starmer's a bad man. I don't think it's the end of the world if he's the prime minister. But but if he if if Sunak exposes what Rishi's, you know, what Starmer sort of hasn't really said and what's he actually going to do. And I don't think um, Sunak's. I mean, I think the the public will um, will be more forgiving about COVID. You know, I don't think it doesn't matter who was in charge. That was a terrible thing to happen to any country. And I think um, Sunak, maybe not Boris, but Sunak um, might be cut a lot of slack for that, especially as he paid everyone's wages. I'm not convinced. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he did have some credit um, in in the in the bank in a way, um, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's a good place to sort of end the chat because um, after last week's episode, Matt Ford, there's a lot of backlash that it was too anti-Tory there. But now we've found somebody. We finally found somebody that's willing to say that Sunak has, has got a chance at the election. So maybe will Keir Starmer be a Tony Blair or a Neil Kinnock? I guess is the question. Um, let's let's put. Paul, I've got to shoot now because as I post this, uh, I will be I will be in the future on the beach uh, in Split. But I think thanks so much for giving us that insight um, on advertising. It really, they definitely. I think that that era, probably late seventies, eighties, and nineties. I think a lot of people remember that era of fondness, and it must be an incredible thing to be a part of. Man, thanks man. for telling us about it, and thanks for being on what most people think. My pleasure, and I'll come and see you when you get back from Edinburgh. I like you, but not enough to go. <laughs> Fair enough. No, you sound like my wife. Okay, that was the chat there with Paul Burke. What, what a lovely chat! What an interesting man, you know that did advertising during the rock and roll years and is, you know, incredibly honest and stuff. And it just seems like, you know, it's one of those situations where somebody seems like a, a real liberal and, and, and it just shows you the extent to which what that word means uh, ha, has changed. But uh, at the very least, we've got Paul to thank for a widget. He's got a widget. He's got a widget. A widget he has got. I mean, fuck it up, you know. I feel like chicken tonight. We didn't even discuss that one. Okay, so it just remains for us to um, finish the show with some... Uh, reviews. So this is from Nelly. Uh, it says, I look forward to listening to this each episode. So this is, is this Nelly? Do you remember the rapper? I'm going down, down, baby. Can't do a rapper's accent. Jeff's... <laughs> no, Jeff, don't. Uh, Jeff Norcott's podcast. What? What is he? That didn't even sound like a rapper. That sounded like somebody out of fucking Goodfellas. Um, Jeff Norcott's podcast, what most people think is an absolute gem in the world of podcasting. Thank you very much, Nelly. Uh, Nelly wrote a bit more there, but um, I uh, that's just between us. Uh, oh, that sounded dodgy, didn't it? Uh, this is from Don Juan. Don, Don Juan. This is a brilliantly funny podcast with some fantastic guests from all points on the political compass. The solo episodes are just as good. And best of all, Jeff hasn't sold out to advertisers. Um, so this is... A five-star review from Thorpe, who accidentally gave me a one-star review. So I did think there was an error. I don't know if that's just my ego. Like, it couldn't possibly have been a one. Uh, and he says, I am duly and correctly rebuffed, rebuked, chasen and chastised. So thanks very much for that. Uh, this is from um, Chernobyl was an inside job. Okay. Um, this says, that stumps. 
So Chernobyl was an inside job, says one of the best cricketing podcasts out there. Jeff navigates difficult topics such as sportsmanship, run rates, and man cadding with the subtlety of an artisan bricklayer. So okay, it's not it's not a um, cricket podcast, but there certainly was a couple of weeks uh, with the Ashes while it was still live, where it felt like it. Darth Jonas uh, says, "Great podcast, great podcast by a very funny guy." Swear count has dropped significantly, but I'm sure it's just a phase. Can't. There you go. Sorry, I. Oh, some of you won't have liked that, but if I get challenged on swearing, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get stuck in. Uh, this is from Lost in Jay. I've listened since seeing his excellent live show last year. Love the mix of discussion and guests from either side of the centre. General chat about cricket is also a bonus. And this is from Paul Burns. Um, Paul Burns, who says, look forward to this podcast coming out every week. Good range of guests from all sides of the political spectrum that leads to some open and honest conversations. Some I agree with, some that I don't. You know, and that is the point, isn't it? You know, if if, if dear old Matt uh, Matt triggered you a little bit, come on, you know, just just ch- just chill out, breathe, and just be sure that there'll be another podcast along uh, in a week that will say stuff that you agree with. Thank you very much for um, all the reviews. If you leave a five star review on um, iTunes. I will read it out. I think that's all of those. Um, and yeah, I will be back the week. I'll be back when, I don't know when I'm, I'm doing this in the future for the past. I don't know. It's all gone a bit like fucking back to the future. Gone back to the future. Oh, does that mean I'll be getting off with my mum? Oh, it's all got very confusing. Oh,